listening to Wake Up and Read the Labels, your guide to eating simple and feeling good. If you want to eat clean and feel your best, guess what? You're in the right place. Each week, we talk about ingredients that may be holding you back from feeling your best. We also talk to some brands that are going against the grain and actually using real ingredients we can recognize. Plus, we're sharing stories with people who are just like you, who actually woke up and read the labels. Welcome to Wake Up and Read the Labels podcast. My name is Jen Smiley, and I'm going to be joined by a returning guest. I'm having him return because we have Thanksgiving on the rise. We all put that turkey in the middle of the table. And I want to make sure that you're not being deceived over what is an actual healthy turkey and going to prevent you from needing to take a nap. So I'm joined today by Tyler Dolly. He's the head chicken wrangler at Big Bluff. Ranch. Do you like that, Tyler? I do. It's funny. Yeah. I don't know what else to call myself. So we came up with it as a joke and it's like, I still haven't come up with a better way of describing what I do. So why not? I love it. Okay. Big Bluff Ranch is dedicated to regenerative agriculture, which is the buzzword of healthy meats that you're looking for now in farming practices. They raise organic, healthy chicken and help protect, preserve, improve, and sustain the land for future generations. So a lot of us know that chickens are made in not the best circumstances and situations, and the chicken could actually be, most chicken is inflammatory. Well, what most people don't realize is like, hey, listen, turkey is brought about the same way. So you need to be informed about the turkeys and understand what's going on. So today, what's up, Tyler? Welcome. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Quick rundown. If no one listened to the first podcast with you, tell us a little bit about yourself and how exactly does one become the head chicken wrangler? (laughs) Well, to become head chicken wrangler, the first thing you have to do is uh, work on a ranch where there's no such thing as a defined role. And then you make up whatever funny title you want to give yourself. So that's how I became the head chicken wrangler. But the reason we're on the ranch is that my grandpa bought the ranch in 1960 and events have pulled us forward till to now. My dad met Alan Savory in the early 80s. We started doing holistic management, which meant taking care of our range differently, which meant taking care of our cows differently, which led us to direct marketing, which led us to eventually other species. And now... We are pretty much one of the largest producers of free-range poultry on the West Coast. We do lots and lots of organic, pasture-raised, no-corn, no-soy chickens. And we are getting back into doing turkeys. So we did turkeys like 10 years ago, and we're we're starting up our turkey program again. So that's um, that is the very short version of who I am and why I'm here. All right, Big Bluff Branch. And where's the name come from? So the <laughs> it's you would think that it's a bluff like a hillside or you know some sort of geological form. That's what I picture. Yeah. But it's an even better story than that. That uh, my grandfather at the time when we bought the ranch was down in the Bay Area and he was a manufacturing into the building boom at the end of World War II. 
And he kept telling Graham, oh, I want to get a ranch. I want to be a rancher. I want to do all that ranch stuff. And she said, no, you, yeah, it's, you're just bluffing yourself if you think you can be a rancher. That's, mm-hmm. that's not who you are. And so grandpa went ahead and bought the ranch and he brought Graham up and said, here you go, Graham. It's, here's the big bluff. So that's why we're big bluff ranch because Graham thought grandpa was bluffing about <laughs> wanting to be a cowboy. Okay, so you all got some humor in you, the head chicken wrangler and big bluff. I like it. Now, we're going to dive into these turkey labels because I know a lot of people are going to be shopping for turkeys. They may be, you know, getting the same turkey they've been getting every year. But I'm curious before we dive into that, are the turkey labels generally the same as chicken labels? Like, is it going to be the same kind of labeling, you know, no synthetic hormones, fresh, never frozen, that type of thing. It's generally crossover chicken and turkey. Yeah. The labels are pretty well crossed over. You did say something just there about frozen and fresh, which is interesting, which is a slight difference in turkeys in that, you know, something like 80% of the turkeys are consumed on Thanksgiving. And there's no way that all those turkeys could be processed in the week or two before Thanksgiving. Right. So what the conventional guys do is they actually process, you know, almost year round, but certainly starting heavily in the late summer and fall. And the USDA allows them to sell their turkeys as fresh, but they're held at 30 degrees. And, you know, My science is a little weak, but I'm pretty sure water freezes at 32. And so, you know, 30 degrees is frozen. So that's just one of those little things. So what they do is they hold it at 30. USDA says they can call it fresh. And then when you get it, they just, they call it slack it off. They just defrost it a little bit right before you get it. And it's like, hey, fresh turkey, even though it's been in a freezer for a couple months. Okay, so what is advantageous of having fresh over a little frozen or frozen? I'm perfectly fine eating frozen meat. I think freezing is good, especially if it's frozen really quickly. But I was just kind of pointing that out to just let people know that, hey, you think you're getting just fresh, fresh, like processed the other day, you know, right off the line to my table. But when in fact, there could be like two months where it's been sitting in a freezer at 30 degrees. Which is it's yeah. fine. I mean, I think, in fact, that switching over to beef a little bit, grass-fed beef is best harvested when the grass is best. So, it's really, at least in California, our part of California, it's best in late spring. Okay. And that if you get grass-fed beef harvesting other times of year, it's not as delicious necessarily. And so, in that case, you harvest your beef when the season's right, you freeze it. Frozen beef holds really well, and then you just eat it year-round. So, the same thing applies to turkeys. I just think it's kind of silly to call it fresh when we know it was frozen. I have no Mm -hmm. problem with frozen meat, but call it frozen then. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just, let's all be honest here. Say what it is. Before we dive into turkeys, I was kind of doing a little research. Do you know why the turkey is a symbol of Thanksgiving? Oh, I did this is not like know Jeopardy. Be. Do, 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 I know, do. trivia quiz. <laughs> I didn't know either. I had to do a search. I'm going to go with something about Ben Franklin because he really loved turkeys. Hey, I would give that to you. Ding, ding, ding. 
what I pulled off of the internet, whether it's accurate or not, it says some historians say that early settlers were inspired by the queen's actions and roasted a turkey instead of a goose. The wild turkey is a native bird of North America. As a result, Benjamin Franklin, like you said, Tyler, claimed this made the turkey a more suitable national bird for the United States than the bald eagle. So I don't know what that tells you, but something with Benjamin Franklin. I did not know that he was trying to have, I mean, I remember vaguely that there was some story where he wanted the turkey to be our national bird. I did not know that he was trying to make our national bird be our Thanksgiving bird. So (laughs) it was mostly a guess on my part, but at least I was close. Yeah, there you go. Okay. So I started also searching when people say like, you know, it's Thanksgiving, they're looking for a turkey recipe or they're looking for a turkey. What do they do? They generally go to their grocery or they're buying, you know, some brand that they're aware of and they go find it at a store that they need. And so a lot of people are being told to look for a natural or an organic frozen turkey. And they're saying, hey, don't buy I think it's called basted, self-basted, or injected turkey because those birds are usually factory farmed and injected with additives to make them bigger. Is that correct? Yes. So the self-basting, those birds are basically coming like pre-brined, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, And I'm not saying that the brine's great, but that's what they've done is they've taken a bird and they've pumped it full of brine of some sort or other. So salty water. And they do that for two reasons. One is that gives them more weight to sell that water and salt is really cheap. <laughs> so if you pump water and salt into your Turkey, you get an extra a pound. You can sell a pound of water for, you know, two, three, four bucks, whatever your Turkey's worth. So that's one reason they do that. The other reason they do that is it makes it easier for people to cook it well So if you do this as part of your two curry routine where you take a turkey and you brine it overnight or a day or whatever you feel like, they're just doing that for you. The problem is, is that you don't know what's going into their brine, right? Mm -hmm. So I would stay away from that. I would still brine my bird. We still brine our birds before we roast them ourselves, but I wouldn't have someone else do it for me. It's not that hard. You just get a big bucket or a bowl or something and you just soak them with uh, salt and water and spices if you're creating, you know, if you want to spice it up a little bit. Yeah. And make sure while we're on the topic of salt, read your salt labels, pink Himalayan salt, Celtic salt, way better than like your regular table salt, more minerals. Tell me this. I know on turkeys, it says young. What does that mean? What is a young turkey? <laughs> Do we want a young turkey or do we want a grandma turkey? Is that what that means? Like, we killed this when it was really young. I don't understand. Yeah. So, the USDA has these classifications. So, in the chicken world, you have your roasters, you have your broilers, and you have your fryers, which no one ever talks about that. It's a weird, not weird, but it's a USDA classification. And back in the old day, it actually did have something to do with age where a roaster was an old bird and you would want to roast it. A fryer was a young chicken, so it was tender enough to fry. But nowadays, that more means just size and weight of the chicken. And so the same thing happens in turkey. So a young turkey 
is just more or less a weight classification these days. So believe it or not, so if you're going to get like a turkey stick or turkey bacon or some sort of you know processed turkey product, that the industry has realized that the meat to bone ratio is really important and that the older the bird gets, the more meat to bone it has. And so when they're processing birds for these value-added products, they're getting up to like a 40, 50-pound carcass. So that would be, I don't remember the exact USDA classification, but that's going to be, you know, an older, heavier bird. So young turkey is meant for roasting for your table, but ultimately it's more of a size description than an age description. Okay. So the younger turkeys, are they more tender and flavorful? Uh, I wouldn't tender maybe. So there's a, there's a balance between age and flavor and tenderness. So to some degree, the older the animal is, the more flavor it's going to have that it just has more life experience. And somehow that life experience translates into flavor. You know, if you ever are making stock, if you've ever had the opportunity to make stock from an old lair or just an older bird, like that stock is just going to be so thick and rich. Whereas if you make stock from a young bird, it's just kind of, it's still good, but it's it's thin. It doesn't have kind of the depth of flavor. So that's the kind of balance. So a young bird is going to be more tender in general, but an older bird is going to have more flavor in general. Okay. It's the same sort of balance you would have with uh, veal. So one of the reasons why veal is so popular is it's a super tender meat because it's a very young cow. Whereas if you get, you know, an old cow and you grind it up for a hamburger, it's probably too tough for steak, but that hamburger is just going to be like bonkers yummy. Yeah. Okay. And some more turkey labels I saw, maybe you want to break some of these down, but I saw one that said USGA inspected for wholesomeness. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> like, does that uh, mean it's not coming to chopped up? It's actually whole and that should be a good thing? Like, I don't understand. Do you? I don't 100% know. I'm pretty sure that is marketing mumbo jumbo oh, where for sure. most meat has to be USDA inspected for sale. So anything you buy at the grocery store or anything that crosses straight lines has to be USDA inspected. And so I have not thought about that USDA inspected for wholesomeness, but there's no grade for wholesomeness that I know of. So I'm pretty sure that just means someone is trying to say, oh, USDA inspected and they try and make it sound wholesome. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I just Googled and I'm like, what does inspected for wholesomeness mean? Wholesome means promoting the health of the body. There's no official United States Department of Agriculture's definition of the word for the use and label in a product. However, all USDA inspected products would be considered wholesome. So it's just, it's greenwashing. It's making you believe that it's healthy, but then it'll also say 100% vegetarian fed. Why don't you break that down? What that can mean. <laughs> okay. So I don't quite know where it's entered into the popular consciousness, but somehow we have decided as a culture that poultry are vegetarians, uh -huh. that they only eat seeds, which 
it's not true in the slightest that the turkeys and chickens are omnivorous. You know, they're little baby dinosaurs. <laughs> you know, they love eating meat of various kinds. And so that's one of the things that we see raising birds on pasture is that they preferentially go after bugs and, you know, they scratch up the dirt trying to dig up any of the earth dwelling bugs or, you know, if a fly is dumb enough to land near them, they go after the fly. So somehow, it has entered into the popular consciousness that the healthiest thing you can do for a bird is to raise it on 100% vegetarian, which is not the best diet for them. They need protein. So, well, I should say, I do know part of the reason why that has entered into the consciousness is because in the past, they used to do some pretty ridiculously dumb things like feed chicken to chicken. I don't think they actually did that, but that's what a lot of people thought. And so once that entered into the consciousness, then they started marketing it like, oh, we know that you think that chickens or turkeys shouldn't be eating meat products. So we're going to sell you a 100% vegetarian and be like, oh, it's so pure. It's so clean. When in fact, the birds require protein to grow, just like you and I require protein. So what they do is they manipulate their vegetarian feed to get the protein levels up to where they need it to be. And in the vast majority of the time, they're going to be using soy and soy products to get the protein levels up high enough to meet the protein needs of the animal. So when I see vegetarian fed, I'm like, that's not necessarily the best feed. Yeah. That's my feeling about vegetarian fed. I would not go out of my way to find something that says vegetarian fed. It's not mm -hmm. giving you what you think you're getting. Exactly. Well, I think that, you know, diet culture in ways we've been taught and articles you can read will tell you like, it's healthy to be vegetarian. And there's arguments to that. But so seeing that the chicken is eating 100% vegetarian, not knowing much about what kind of vegetation they're eating or what they should be eating, like that just makes it seem healthier. And so if you see, you know, hey, your turkey or your chickens fed corn or soy, you need to like run the other way. So let's dive into what are the best turkeys to buy. And then I do want to cover the fact that you all have regenerative farming, right? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the difference of Big Bluff Ranch and the turkeys you all producing. I like to tell people, like, listen, we've gone so far away from getting to know our farmer and getting to know where our food's coming from and what they're eating that look where it's gotten us, right? Our food is toxic. Our labeling is confusing. America is sick. So if you want to do something to take control of your health and to help your body, help your gut, help your mind, your mood, everything, it's taking the time to get to know your farmer, which is why we're bringing Tyler on. But most importantly, you have Thanksgiving coming up and knowing that there is a turkey that can help you and your family's bodies as opposed to putting an assault on your body by choosing a not clean turkey. We're going to talk about why exactly this turkey is far more superior. So Tyler, tell us a little bit about your turkeys and what it means to be a healthier turkey. Sure. So what we do is we are organic. We are pasture raised. We are just about to be certified regenerative. We're in the process of getting our certification back. And we are also no corn, no soy. So 
that is basically the highest standard that you could find. And you're not going to find very many turkeys like that. Very, very few. So you're going to have to hunt to find all those things. So that would be the gold standard. I would start there. If you can find all of those characteristics, like you are have a pretty amazing turkey coming your way. If you can't find those things, then probably the second level of quality would be organic and pasture raised that you really need the pasture raised. So the bird is out there being as turkey like as it can. So it can see the sun, it can feel the wind, it can chase the bugs if they're there, it can scratch in the dirt. You know, the access to outside is very important. We have to realize that all the things that apply to humans apply to animals as well. So I'm sure you guys have heard that, oh, you should get outside and see the sun more. You should get some more exercise. You shouldn't sit down so much. All of those things apply to birds as they do to humans. So just like we spend too much time sitting at desks and we don't spend enough time outside, that's essentially what a conventional turkey barn is. They're just crammed into a barn with thousands of their buddies and they have nothing to do but sit there and eat. Of course, they're going to be fat. Whereas if you can raise them out on pasture, then they have, you know, they have interesting things to do and to see and their brain works and their bodies work and all of the, all of the cues are appropriate. So pasture raised really is going to get you a pretty high quality turkey. And then if you can't find pasture raised, then probably the next best thing you can find is an organic turkey. Because although organic does not have many qualifications around how the birds are raised, there is some. It's much more aimed at the inputs into the bird. But hey, you know, that's good. Like, I don't want to be eating birds that have had tons of antibiotics. I don't want to be eating a bird that's been eating corn and soy that's genetically modified and sprayed with herbicides and pesticides and shipped all over the place. So organic would be, oh, I don't know what, I can't remember what level I'm on, but organic is pretty good. And you start dipping below organic, then then you just have to do the best you can. Read the label, where they're grown. I know out here in California, Distal has a really good turkey. So, yeah, it's tough. And then the other thing about turkeys is that the stores sell them as lost leaders. So when you go into the grocery store and you see that dollar a pound turkey, it costs the grocery store way more than a dollar a pound. But they've dropped the price down so low because they're hoping that you buy all the other high margin products around it. You know, your cranberries and your stuffing and all of your other stuff. So on top of the fact that the labels are confusing, the pricing information that you're getting is also confusing because it is not really reflecting what turkeys actually cost to raise. So, I mean, I'm not to make it sound too difficult, but there's all sorts of stuff going on when you're trying to buy your Thanksgiving turkey. Mm -hmm. For sure. I would like to kind of just bring a quick little summary of the difference in pasture-raised meat or pasture-raised chicken and turkey versus conventional when you're buying it from your grocery, okay? What's happening is 
First of all, omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids are not produced by your body. You have to get them from things you are eating, okay? And so having this nice balance of more omega-3s than 6s is what is a critical component to your good health. Now, omega-6 fatty acids are useful. However, too many of them, they're counterproductive and they create inflammation and potentially harmful results in your body, okay? That's why balancing the omega-3 and the omega-6 is so important. But I'm here to let you know that there's studies out there that show pasture-raised and especially regenerative farming. Those type of poultry and meats they have a lower ratio of omega-6 to omega-3. So it's more anti-inflammatory. It's the right proportion of these fatty acids. You can look all over, read any study you want, but compared to barn-raised and conventionally raised chickens, the pasture birds, they've been shown to have three times the omega-3s in 50% more vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, and 21% less saturated fat. So simply put, healthier chickens make for healthier bodies, okay, and healthier birds. I do want to add in that a lot of us, one of the most popular brands out there is Butterball, okay? Uh, and I just did a quick search of Butterball. Not only is it conventional, but they actually add natural flavors. If you're getting a chicken yeah. with chemicals that are trying to hijack your taste buds and make it taste better, like that should be a red flag. That is not high-quality food. If you find high-quality turkeys and chicken, they're not going to add in chemicals that your body cannot recognize or digest. So just... Second guess yourself when you're reaching for the butterball turkey and know that like, hey, if you actually don't want to fall asleep and you want to feel good and you don't want to put on the five pounds for Thanksgiving, like that's one of the factors that needs to be swapped out. Yeah. Any turkey that comes with the little thermometer poppy thing, that's a little uh, worrisome. Red flag for sure. Okay, you guys, you're wondering, how do I get this clean turkey on my table, Jen? Well, you're going to have to go to perennialspasturesranch.com, okay? And you're going to have to use a code to get $10 off. Now, listen, to make it easy, we're going to link all this stuff for you beneath the podcast, okay? Now, you also need to make sure you order it by November 10th. Why? Because you've got to have time to get the clean turkey shipped to you, yeah? Okay. The $10 off code is WAKEUPTDAY23. You're going to notice a difference in this flavor, in the juiciness, in how you feel after. It's not going to make you have to take a nap. This is Thanksgiving made the way it should be. I highly suggest you grab one as soon as you can. I personally am having one on my table as well and sending it to one of my good friends. But the last day to order is November 10th. The code is WAKEUPTDAY23. It's the cleanest turkey you're gonna find. Go check it out. PerennialPasturesRanch.com. Well, Tyler, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for your time and know that we'll talk soon, okay? Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. It was great. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wake Up and Read the Labels. If you like this episode, guess what? We want you to share it. We'd love that. Share it with a friend and leave us a review. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or really wherever you're listening to your podcast. For more information, visit us at wakeupandreadthelabels.com. Hold up. 